Amen. All right. Well, hey, this week is our last week of this series we've been going through about the idea of friends, the kinds of friends we should have in our life, the kinds of friends that we shouldn't. And uh, hey, here's the thing. I don't know what friendships look like for you, but I think every friendship starts somewhere, right? It starts with either a mutual interest or it starts with just a, just a curiosity about like, hey, is, is there anyone else like me in the world, right? But there's this really cool proverb there's plenty of Proverbs we're going to read tonight. One of them is like the stationary kind of proverb I go back to when it comes to relationships with people. You want to be able to have friends who are wise. And so Proverbs 13, 20, it says this. It says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So it's like, hey, it's pretty clear cut, right? Like if you want to be a wise person who's wise about life and wise about relationships, walk with people who are wise like you, right? If you want to be a fool and kind of carried away with the whims of the world, be with fools. And so it's like a good foundational point of these are the kinds of people we should surround ourselves with. But I think when it comes to relationships, we have a several different categories that we put them in. I brought out this fancy whiteboard to show you if I don't rip this thing. Lucy wrote a note right here. She says, love you, my friend. You are dad. Okay, thank you, Lucy. That's really helpful. Um, so here, just ignore her handwriting. So there's three circles here, okay? This first circle, I would call your intimate circle. So this is the circle of people, whether you can choose it or not, are the people that are in your life who have the most access to the person to who you are, right? This is your mom, your dad. I pray to God it's your small group leader. I mean, maybe for some of you it's not, but I mean, people that you really do believe and trust everything they say, right? They, they, they love you in some degree or fashion, even when you're mad at them, even when you're frustrated with them, like your brothers and sisters, your mom, your dad, like they're this group of people. And why that's so core to who you are is because, believe it or not, in most cases, this group of people will be with you for the rest of your life. Now, you might not always be the closest with them, but they're always going to be in some way, shape, or form proximity to your life. You don't really get to choose that, right? In our culture and the way that we kind of are as Americans, this core group of people is a very core group that's typically just given to you by birth, right? Like you have a mom and a dad, aunts and uncles, cousins, brothers and sisters, and they're around. And you spend time with them, whether they're Christian or not Christian, they're in your life, and they have a significant influence. So this is your intimate circle. This next circle here is your influencing circle. So this is the group of people that you are in for other people and other people are in for you who you would call some of your best friends, right? Your closest friends, the people that know you, you know them, you talk about life, you do things with them, they do things with you, and you influence each other. You can talk your friend into doing some crazy stuff. I think back to my cousin Colby in high school. Even though he was should have been in this circle, he was totally an influencing friend, right? And we would get ourselves freaked out inside my house when it was the summer, upstairs on the second floor, nobody's home, and our house would creak. It's built in the 40s, right? So the house would creak, be like, someone's in the house. We got to get out of the house. So we'd open the window, and we'd jump from the second story into the bushes below. Like, we could influence our, each other into doing some stupid stuff, right? We had a duck pond in the back. My mom always floated these uh, plastic ducks. And so we thought, hey, we got a BB gun. Let's shoot the ducks. So we shot the ducks. We sunk them to the bottom. We influenced each other, right? We were like, hey, yo-yos are really cool. Let's bring them back in the school. Let's buy a bunch of yo-yos and hand them out at school. Let's see what it does. We're influencing each other. So you have influencing friends in your life. There are people who can convince you, and there are people that you can convince to do pretty much anything with you, and they're, and they're that way. Does that make sense? That's this circle of friends, okay? Now, a very similar but different outer circle is your um, worry friends, okay, or concerned friends. So you 
we sometimes don't do the best job of putting the right people in this category and the right people in this category. Sometimes we flip them. Sometimes you have people who are influencing you who really should be friends that worry you. There are things that they're telling you to do, things that they're instructing you to do, things that they're interested in that, that should concern you. You should keep it an arm's distance and not just let come into your life. Does that make sense? I remember for me in middle school, I had a guy named Tyler. Tyler was so cool, but he was something off about him. He was raised a little bit different. He, his mom smoked, so he got access to cigarettes. He's like, hey, Nate, do you want to smoke a cigarette? Well, he was an influencing friend in my life. I was like, sure, give me one of those. And that started the summer where I tried to start smoking cigarettes in eighth grade because I had a concerned friend or a cautious friend that I'd let it be an influencing friend. Well, it didn't just stop there. I started doing more and more things. Maybe some of you have these experiences where you let the wrong person get to a place in your life where they start to convince you or bring you down roads that you shouldn't go down. This gets really complicated the older you get with boy and girl relationships, right? You have an influencing friend that shouldn't be an influencing friend, that should maybe be a concerned friend, that maybe cons- consistently kind of pushes you, prompts you, asks you to do things that you're not fully comfortable with, but because they can influence you, you start to drift down those roads, and sometimes it's too hard to find your way back out. So what we're talking about tonight is the why it's so important for you as an individual student to be able to differentiate who's in what circle in your life, and the fact that as a Christian, it's okay to have people in this circle, people that you're going to keep at arm's length, people that you're a little bit cautious of, people that you don't just trust at face value. Actually, as, as Christians, we should have a lot of people that we're very cautious to let into our world because of what we believe about the world, right? The world is evil and broken, and it needs help, right? So we have Jesus, and we know that, but a lot of other people don't have Jesus, and so we need to. So when it comes to relationships, there's all kinds of relationships that we have in our life, but there's some ground rules that God tells us to kind of follow. In relationships, we need to be willing and open to learn and engage from each other, but we also need to be willing and open to forgive each other. Sometimes as Christians, it's easy for us to be forgiven of things that we've done wrong, but not extend that same forgiveness to others around us. The Bible actually gives us really clear instructions on what it looks like for us as individuals to walk into conflict with people. When you're in a fight with someone and they've wronged you, we typically, as teenagers, do this, right? We go to our other friend who isn't involved in the situation and be like, can you believe what they did? And you start telling them all the baggage and all the detail and all the drama that happened with this relationship, but they didn't even have anything to do with it. You just kind of started stirring the pot, bringing everybody else into it that isn't involved in it. Well, the Bible gives us really clear instructions on what we should actually do when we're in conflict in relationships. Matthew 18, verses 21 through, 20, through 35 says this. It says, then Peter came up to Jesus and he asked him, hey, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And then Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with the servants as he began the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his child all be sold to repay their debt. At this, the servant fell to his knees before him and he said, Hey, Lord, please be patient with me. He begged, I will pay you back for everything. Then the servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So you see this, this, this story is basically like this master has a servant who has a great debt to him. 
And he's basically saying, hey, I can't pay back. He's like, it's okay. I forgive you. I'm going to give up the right to punish you by saying it's okay. But then that servant goes and he finds someone who owes him even just a fraction of what the other person owed and says, hey, give me my money back. See, as Christians, we don't mean to, but we can tend to be very accepting of the forgiveness that God's given us, but very critical and judgmental when it comes to others. You've experienced a great blessing of forgiveness for the wrongdoing that you do in your life. In the current day and age you're living right now, you're sinning in ways that you don't even know. But God's grace abounds in the moments that you don't even know you're covered. And he's constantly standing before you saying, nope, I take it. Nope, I take it. Nope, I take it. You're forgiven. So what's the encouraging thing is in friendships is we got to be just like that with our friends. We need to be willing to forgive them. When we feel wronged or hurt, go directly to them and say, hey, you hurt me, X, Y, Z, hash it out, have a conversation. Don't involve people that aren't involved in the situation and show them the benevolence and the love and the grace that God asks us to do. The other thing that happens sometimes in friendships is that we can surround ourselves with people who aren't building us in the way that we should be built up. You know, you're a Christ follower, and as a Christ follower, you have a very strict way that you're supposed to live, not out of the legalism that we believe about the religion and the world, but out of a, a genuine love for God. We want to live for God and all the things that we say, all the things that we think, all the ways that we do. So because of that, you have to be really careful the types of people that you surround yourself with. Because other people don't, aren't very careful with the things they say, the things they think, the, the things they do. And so when you surround yourself with people like that, they can have a very negative influence on the way that you think. Now, they don't believe the same things you believe, so we can't hold our expectation of Christian behavior on people who don't actually believe in what Jesus said. But we are held to that standard, so it makes it incredibly challenging for us to be able to stand confident and bold in the way that we're supposed to live when we're surrounded by people who are living differently. That's why if you're really being a Christian, being in our world is hard. Being in friendships is hard. Being at your lunch tables and your classrooms is hard because people talk about things that you can't talk about. And they don't know that they can't talk about them. So you're hearing these things, and it's so easy to laugh and to jump along. But what God's called you to is something so much more. He's called you to not lower yourself to the way that you used to live, but set an example in the way that you speak, in the way that you think, in the way that you love. Like showing people the way that you're supposed to be, even in situations that are awkward like that. Remaining silent is one of the most powerful things you can do as a wise Christian person walking through relationships with people. Being very aware of the people in this outer circle of your life so that you can keep at arm's distance loving them and encouraging them, but being careful not to be influenced by the way that they think, by the way that they say, and the way that they do certain things. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians 15 says this. It talks about us being corrupted by bad companies. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some of you who are ignorant of God. I say this is to your shame. So there are people in this church that Paul's writing to in the church of Corinth that's very similar to our culture today. There's people who believe in who Jesus is. They've been transformed by the love and grace that he's given him. But then they started drifting back to the old way they used to live. They start talking and acting like there are people who didn't even know that Jesus really was alive and well. And so what Paul is saying is like, hey, shame on you. I mean, that's some harsh criticism from Paul, but actually saying, like, shame on you. You know the way you should do and the way you should live, and you choose repetitively to go back to the old way of living. Like, you need to turn around. Man, I'm telling you, my, one of the biggest challenges of being a Christian is being a Christian in all situations and in all circles. I remember what it was like to be a teenager and have my church friends and my 
good school friends and my bad school friends. And then you had all these different cliques that you unintentionally invited yourself into. And then if you're not careful, you start to fraction your personality to be one way with these people and another way with someone else. But what this verse is saying is, hey, bad company corrupts good character. You have to be careful if you're hanging around someone who's constantly promoting and pushing negative things in your life. The healthiest thing for you to do is probably say, you know what, I need to take some steps back. I'm one of the, my closest friends in high school for a long time. His name was Chris Warren. He was into uh, uh, screamo music. You know what I'm talking about? Like, not skillet, but like way intense. Like, you don't understand what they're saying. He's like jamming. I was like, I love this song. I was like, what are they saying? He's like, I don't know, but it's awesome. Just yelling, right? Not a disqualifier, right? You can like screamo music and be a Christian, right? But then this kind of led him into some other things, right? So he started to, you know, paint his fingernails black, which is like, hey, that's cool, man. Do what you want to do. He started kind of dyeing his hair black, and then he started to like, get in reading some different types of stuff or picking up certain magazines that we shouldn't be picking up. He started talking about people that I knew were friends of ours in a negative way that started to really put a sour taste in my mouth towards who he is. So I did what I was supposed to do. I called him out. I said, dude, like, hey, we're not like that. Like, let's not talk ill of our friend just because they wronged us. Like, let's go make it right. And he refused to listen to the criticism and the correction that I tried to give him. And so what I really started to learn after several months of waiting it out is the best thing for me to do is to take some steps back. And it was hard. It was hard. I really, he was one of my closest friends. I had trusted him. I brought him into this inner circle. But what God was really revealing to me is he needed to be out here. I needed to love him and care for him as a brother, but I couldn't let him into the intimacy of my heart because there are things that he was influencing me in that was actually making me worse. Does that make sense? Maybe you have friendships in your life right now that are influencing you for the worse. And what God might be asking you to do is to take a few steps back to reevaluate. How do I love them in a way that doesn't hurt me? Because you can be a missionary all day to the people in your world, but if you fall victim or prey to the things you're trying to witness to, then you've lost your saltiness. You've not become the salt of the earth. You've become the earth. And so how do you keep your potency in the midst of it? You have to constantly look at yourself first before you're blaming others. When you're in conflict with friends and relationships, you need to look at the people who are in the conflict with and take a self-evaluation. Like, God, where have I gone wrong in this relationship? What are the things that I have not done right? What are the ways that I've sinned and wronged somebody? You look at yourself, you take inventory of that, and you say, I'm sorry for the things that you need to be sorry for. But then you also, with clear eyes, now look across the way to the friend that you're interacting with and make sure that they're willing to own the, the issues that they have in their life too because if they're continually not owning their problems and only blaming you from yours, you're going to see yourself moving into a very toxic place with these people very fast. The most important thing for us to do with people in the way that we create relationships is helping people feel like they belong. You know, there are people who have totally different worldviews than you because they've been raised in totally different ways. Maybe they were brought here after traveling state to state over the last year, and that's just given them a turmoil. They've never had consistency in their life. And because of that, they say crazy things, they do crazy things. Be willing to hear people's story and know where they come from so that you can step in and show them the gospel the way that's unique to them. The only way we can do that is by helping people feel like they truly belong. But with this whole idea of friendship, and as convoluted as it is, before we go into our last song, I want you to remember that the most important thing you can do in any relationship, both friendship and a deeper relationship, is being humble, being humble enough to seek the Lord first over your own mind, emotion, and personality. 
be able to go to God and say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I need you to guide me in the way I should go. I need you to help me with this friendship. You need to invite him into those things and watch how God shows up. Watch how when you ask him to show you what to do in a relationship, he gives you the direction to go. God is not a God that's far off and distant, but he's actively involved in our lives in a way that when he hears our prayers, he steps in to answer them. I want to read you one last thing, and it's a paraphrase. So, you know, uh, if you have a Bible at home, maybe it's the New International Version or the English Standard Version or something like that. There's this other copy called The Message. And what the message is, is merely like a paraphrase. So it's not the actual word of God. What it is, is it's taking a layman's terms, like English modern version, of what would this be if me as your bro was just telling it to you. So what I want to do is I want to read you this proverb in Proverbs chapter 4 to hear what, what, what Solomon and his wisdom was trying to ask of his people. He says this. He says, listen, friends, to some fatherly advice, sit up and take notice and you'll know how to live. I'm giving you good counsel, so don't let it go in one ear and out the other. When I was a young boy at my father's knee, the pride and joy of my father, he would sit me down and he'd drill me. He'd say, hey, take this to heart. Do what I tell you. Live. Sell everything and buy wisdom. Forego, uh, forage for understanding. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Never walk away from wisdom, for she will guard your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you above all and before all. Do this. Get wisdom. Write this at the top of the list in your life to get understanding, to throw your arms out to her. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace. She'll festoon your days with beauty. Dear friend, take my advice and it will add years to your life. I'm writing out clear instructions to the wisdom way. I'm drawing a map to righteous road. I don't want you to end up with blind in blind alleyways, wasting time making wrong turns. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well, for your life is at stake. Don't take the wicked bypass. Don't so much as set foot on that road, but stay clear of it. Give it a wide berth. Make a detour and be on your way. For evil people are restless unless they make trouble. They can't get a good night's sleep unless they've made miserable for somebody else. So pursue what is good and what is right. Man, there is, God has good things in store for us, but we need to be willing to listen to him. We need to be willing to abide by the instruction he has and put it into practice in our relationships and our friendships today if we're going to have any chance of God correcting and guiding our lives in the future. So let's, let's pray about that. God, thank you so much for, for the truth of your word. Thank you for the book of Proverbs, for 1 Corinthians, for all the passages where you tell us what it looks like to have healthy relationships. And God, we just ask that as we go into our small group time after we're done singing this song, that you would... Help us be honest about the relationships in our lives. What are the ones that we need to cut out? What are the ones we need to go deeper to? What are the ones we need to maybe reevaluate? God, would you give us wisdom and understanding because without it, we're lost. So we love you, God. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.